my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. G'day, it's Pastor Will Moala here and I'm here in the studio with my good friend, my colleague in ministry, Pastor Brenton Wilkinson. Good to have you in the studio once again, Pastor Brenton. Nice to be here, mate. Wonderful. Well, wherever you're tuning in from, we want to give you a very special warm welcome here. A brand new week on a Monday evening here on Faith FM Drive Time uh, BQ&A. We have a wonderful program in store for you today and with our team for the rest of the week. Our theme this week, Prophecy, the Bible, and Nostradamus. And so for all you buffs out there who are kind of love getting into this type of theme about prophecy and and uh, of that nature, this is where we're going to be headed for this week. And so our team are going to be looking at some questions such as how reliable is biblical prophecy? How specific is it? Um, what about symbolism? And what about the person of Jesus? Did Jesus trust the Old Testament and the ancient prophets? And uh, and tonight, Pastor Brendan and I, we're going to be kicking off the theme for today and for this through the rest of the week with should I or should we trust in the person or the writings of Nostradamus. We may use some texts that are probably going to be used later in the week, Will, but yeah. I don't see that as a problem. We're only going to touch on them fleetingly. Yeah. So we don't take away from what Marty and from the rest uh, of our team are doing absolutely. later and others. But some of these texts are absolutely necessary yeah. for us to explore if you're going to look at dispassionately at Nostradamus. Should we be following what he says or not? Yeah. Well, Again, we want to welcome you for wherever you're listening on, where you're driving in the car or wherever you're at home or wherever you may be on this beautiful Monday evening, we want to give you a special warm welcome. Hey, we'd also like to just say, hey, we'd love to hear from you wherever yes. you may be tuning in yes, from. Yes, we would. And so um, we have a number here in the studio that you can contact us on, 0488880811. That's also the number you need to keep handy for our book offer, which we'll promote in a few moments. So please, if if you can, obviously not if, if you're driving, but if you can, why don't you pick up that phone of yours, text us 048 Tell us where you're from. We'd love to hear from you because uh, we get our listeners from all across the country. And so we always love it as our team when we get to know just who is tuning in today. And we'd love to give you a shout out as well. And so before we get into our topic today, we always do what we call a World Watch segment, which we is uh, we kick yes. off the show. And uh, Pastor Brendan, the one I wanted to share with our listeners today is uh, something that's kind of going on um is the Chinese Lunar New Year. Yes. And so um, I've got an article I want to read. recently. Yeah, recently. So the uh, title of the article, this is off the conversation.com website, and it's called, It's the Year of the Dragon in the Chinese Zodiac, Associated with Good Fortune, Wisdom, and success. And this was published just a few days ago on February 6th. So here we go. So what I thought I'd do, Pastor Brandon, I just yes. might share two or three of the opening paragraphs and then we'll have a bit of a conversation. And so here we go. And uh, this article is by Mario Paseski, I think it's pronounced, or Paseski, however Pacheski. you pronounce the C. Pacheski. He is Professor of Buddhist Studies and Chinese Religions at the University of Florida. So here we go. So the article begins, Among China's traditional holidays and celebrations, none ranks higher in, in importance than the Lunar New Year. That's true. Also known as the Spring Festival or simply Chinese New Year. 
It marks the beginning of the year according to the traditional lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. The Lunar New Year usually starts sometime between late January and mid-Feb. In mainland China, official celebrations last for seven days as a public holiday. Wow, I, I actually didn't know that. No, no. So no, a whole week of celebrations. Oh, yes. Yes, they have a week of celebrations. You often see it on TV yeah. uh, where they have their march, you know, with the big yes. dragon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, it says here... This Lunar New Year, which falls on February 10th, is the year of the dragon. Um, And then he says that uh, Mario is saying here, I'm a scholar of Chinese religious history and culture who was born in a year of the dragon. What fascinates me the most is how the celebrations are a reminder of the longevity and vibrancy of traditional Chinese culture. So, And we'll kind of dive into it. There's a few things. But uh, I also picked up just kind of on my research about the Chinese New Year a couple of fascinating facts, uh, Pastor Brandon. Mm-hmm. But before I do, I know you had a chance to read the article as we looked at this idea of the year of the dragon and, you know, Chinese New Year, a symbol of good fortune, wisdom and success. Um, what was your, what did you get out of that, the article? Um, I got, Pastor Brandon. I got a number of things out of it, but I'd say this to start off with. It's interesting that in the Chinese culture, there are 12 animals mentioned and right. that's mentioned in the article here i'm not going to read them all yeah what i would say is this is um the dragon is considered to be the most important animal feature in the chinese lunar calendar now this is rather interesting when as a christian you compare this with the use of dragon in scripture the dragon yeah, the in scripture is not good fortune correct <laughs> <laughs> it is not good luck <laughs> In fact, anyone associated with the dragon will ultimately be destroyed, according yep. to uh, Scripture. So when I was looking through it, what I, what I found that I found interesting is it's an opportunity, as you pointed out, it goes for seven days. Yep. And the preparations that our dear friends, the Chinese, make for this are, are interesting. It brings families together, and they pointed out in the article something along these lines. The bulk of young people these days have left the rural areas of China and gone to the urban areas, obviously for education, for work and for things of that nature. It's not too different from Australia, is it? No. Unfortunately, a lot of country towns and even small cities like Mount Gambier and other places where I've lived, they're losing their young people because the young people are going to university, uh, they're coming to get jobs that are not available in the rural areas where they live. Yeah, and uh, so this is what's what's happening here. What I found interesting is the Chinese government has banned firecrackers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I went to Mauritius a few years ago, um, they had a, have Chinese people over there, and they were following the principle. Um, I haven't let off firecrackers since I was probably about fifteen or sixteen because they banned them in Adelaide. You had to have a, you've got to have a license yeah. now. In fact, one of our church members down in Millicent, he's um, uh, in a team that uh, does things like uh, the Royal Adelaide Show, uh, the showdown between yeah. the Crows and Port. In other words, big events where they have big five uh, celebrations afterwards. He told me once that you probably would spend $30,000 on, le- on letting off incendiary devices wow. at the end of a, a, a show, a concert, a rock concert, yeah. something like that. I so can here, imagine. So here, here you have um, these guys, the, the Chinese government says has banned them. It's been cracking down on the traditional practice on the grounds of it being dangerous 
and polluting. I thought one of the other things that I found interesting was, yes, it brings people together. It gives yeah. young people and others an opportunity to get back to their roots, to get back to the family where the family spends time together. I'm all for that, yeah. as, as you would be as well. What I'm not for, though, that concerns me significantly is the statement. At the bottom of his article or near the end of it, he says this, religiosity and Lunar New Year galas. While the Lunar New Year is generally centred on the theme of family bonding, religious observances are also an integral part of the festivities. These include domestic rituals associated with popular Chinese deities, such as the kitchen god and the god of wealth. Family members also make offerings and engage in other rituals related to ancestor worship. I guess, Will, in my mind, the the red flag started to go up when I read that. I thought, so far, so good. Getting the family together, everyone together, having a week together to celebrate um, Chinese Lunar New Year and all the rest of it. But when I read that they offer offerings to the kitchen god and the god of wealth... And when they engage in other rituals related to ancestor worship, you have to go back to what Scripture says, that the dead know nothing. Right. So the dead can't help uh, the people who are offering the offerings, nor can they receive them, nor can they understand what's going on because they're dead. Yeah. They're um, no longer able to function. They're no longer able to think, plan, or act. So... In that sense, the sense of family togetherness, I agree with it. But in the sense of what I've just shared with you, I think there is cause for a great deal of concern there. I accept that these people are Buddhists or Taoists. I accept that. But um, we as Christians believe that you can't contact the dead, nor should you try to contact them. And there's no point offering offerings or incense or any other form of ritual to them because they don't know anything about it. Yeah. So they're some of the things that I got out of this particular article. But having seen their very, very colourful dragons that they make in their displays, whether it's in Sydney, whether it's in Adelaide, whether it's in Perth or wherever it happens to be, they really do make a big thing about it, and the media usually has something on TV uh, on the day that uh, they celebrate um, Chinese Lunar New Year, which this year was February 10. Yeah, so it's just passed. Just passed. Yeah. <laughs> Not long, actually, less than two weeks. Yes. Um, so to all of our um, – we all have friends in, you know – Australia is a multicultural nation with very much so um, yes. various ethnics and nationalities, and um, it, you know what I what struck me is, and I'll, my yeah, kind well, of takeaway is, out of it, I think my takeaway is, um, every culture has its own story. It does, and um, you know, some of it is myth, some of it is, you know, it's it's a story that's passed down from generation to generation, mm. and I, I I think there's something to be said about. Culture is very strong because it it brings a a, a, a people together, yes. and um, mm. even I was kind of when I was reading the article, Pastor Brennan, I was thinking of Christmas. You know, although a lot of those things necessarily don't have any biblical basis, but it's a, almost like a cultural thing. Okay, it's December, it's Christmas, and all the every all the fanfare that goes along with it. And I I kind of saw a bit of a similarity in the sense that it's a cultural event. Uh, yes. It brings the Chinese people together. It's yes. a sense of 
a shared history, a, a shared uh, narrative. Um, yes. But I think what you're saying is, um, and even as I speak, I'm thinking about my own culture with its various yeah, well, stories. You've got and, your own culture. Yeah, yeah, within the Pacific Island culture. Um, but um, what you, you're sharing is the Bible has, in some way, it speaks either to the culture and, and either challenges the culture or it gives it a new meaning. And so, it gives it a new nuance. And I think it does challenge it because, um, as I said, what we said earlier on. Now, I don't have a problem with culture per se, but I'm asking myself the question just because they did it 200 years ago, how many people have actually done any research on where the original customs came from? Are they, are they Christian? Are they customs that God would approve of? Yeah. Or are they customs that we just do because everybody's done it for, well, as long as they can remember? Yeah. And so challenging culture, in my way of thinking, is not wrong. Christ challenged culture when he came to this earth. Yeah. He said, you set aside the commandments of God to follow your own traditions. Yeah. Well, what's that? It's culture. Yeah. It's ingrained in them. And just before we move on from the article, the, the biblical story that I'm thinking it may not be the exact you know, um, connection, but no, no, there's right. a story in the book of Genesis, and you're aware of this, Pastor Brandon. I think it's somewhere around Genesis 30, 35, around there, when um, Jacob is about to um, meet God and he buries his his strange idols, the Bible calls, under a tree. Yeah, I think it's 31 or 32, yeah. somewhere around Almost, there. Yep. yeah. And the picture I get from there is, in some way, even the Bible characters early on regarding the patriarchs, they lived in a very, you know, they lived in a in a society where different gods would bless them according to their needs, the god of veil, the god of rain, the god of uh, fertility. And, and so even the Bible characters had these various gods, I guess, that were, well, the common thought of the day was that these gods were responsible for their longevity and success and wisdom. Yes. And so yeah. in some way there is a biblical storyline there where even the, the Bible characters was faced with this. But then what I also find in the Bible is that when they came in, when they were faced with the truth of the living God, they put away their idols. Yes. They, they stopped yeah. trusting in them. And, no, and this is what do. prophets would do in the Old Testament. They would challenge the, the people, the Israelites, of, because even though they were saved out of, you know, of captivity, um, they still clung on to these old idols. They did. You might remember way back as far as Abram, before he was yes. even called Abraham, he was asked by God to leave her of the Chaldees. Why? Because his family were idolaters. Yeah. They worshipped idols. And yet God called this man out and he became the father of the faithful. And when you go to the Middle East, I'll tell you what, whether you talk to Muslims, whether you talk to Christians, whether you talk to Jews, they all claim Abraham as their father. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm. So we hope that you enjoy the article. We just kind of scratched the surface in some way about the Chinese yeah. New Year. And, um, um, yeah, we just wanted to bring that out there. That's something that just happened uh, the world over and um, interesting the dynamics between culture and meaning and significance particularly in this particular article here so so we hope you enjoyed well, it if time went on long enough yeah would culture do you think strengthen family relationships or would it gradually over a period of time just ameliorate just sort of drop away as other things came in yeah. I can't help wondering about that yeah even yeah. even the most can I put it this way even the most rigid cultures are starting to loosen up. You go, go overseas, they're being affected by Western thinking 
they're being affected by Western music, Western yeah. customs, Western slowly lifestyle. Being, yeah. Slowly but surely, it's being diluted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just Absolutely. asking myself that, the that question. That might be a, a In theme. another 50 years' time, how would the culture yeah. work? Maybe that'll be a good topic for our presenters to tackle for a Maybe whole week. Will. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, before we go to a break, we're going to pr- promote our free book offer. We have a wonderful resource that we'd love for you to to receive. Um, the title of the book is Four Winds of Revelation and by author, pastor, evangelist, Kenneth Cox. Guys, he says, get um, this book. Yeah, he, this, this guy knows his he stuff. He is very, very good. Absolutely. Um, so, more than 2,000 years ago, the Bible predicted because all of this would happen. If the Bible was right about this, then what did it say it would happen? So in this book, in Four Winds of Revelation, Pastor Kenneth Cox examines what the Bible says about the crisis that we are facing, and he shares what it tells us about the future. And should you be afraid, the Bible offers hope, and Jesus is coming soon. If you would like a free copy of the book, Four Winds of Revelation by Kenneth Cox, all you need to do is text the code here in the studio, the code for this week, is SA204, SA204. You need to text that code to the number 04888-80811 and we'll get your details and get that book out to you as soon as we can. So uh, one more time, the code is SA204 to 04888-80811 and we'll get that book out to you as soon as possible. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A.
Welcome back. You listen to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Will and Brenton in the studio tonight. Our theme for this week, Prophecy, the Bible, and Nostradamus. And today we're looking at the question, should I or should we trust Nostradamus? And uh, just before the break, we had a book offer, uh, Four Winds of Revelation. We'll promote that in a few moments' time. So please hang around. So welcome back, uh, Pastor Brennan. Uh, as you lead our conversation uh, tonight, um, can we trust Nostradamus? In fact, before you jump in there, <laughs> the honest thought that I had when I saw our topic for yes. tonight was I don't know if anyone even knows who Nostradamus is. Now, and when I say that, I'm thinking about the younger generation. Yeah. Like if I went to yeah. the average high school and said, hey, who's Nostradamus? They'll, they'll probably nine out of ten will go, who's that? Is that a rapper? Is yeah. that some, <laughs> is, is that the new flavor of? The- <laughs> so it's not, it's not, it's not a very unique. It's not Taylor Swift's boyfriend, I can yeah. tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So I um, just thought I'd throw that in there before you jump in there. So can we trust uh, yeah. or should we trust Nostradamus? Well, Nostradamus, if he was alive today, would actually probably not describe himself as either a seer or a prophet. He would probably describe himself as a scientist. Okay. Now, I think that would even be open to debate. But let me give you a little bit of historical background on this guy. Uh, Nostradamus was born in 1503 in France to a wealthy Jewish family. Now, this is interesting because his great-grandfather found that because the church of the day in France was very strict on things. If you were a Jew, you had two choices. You could either convert to Christianity or you could have all your goods confiscated. Goodness. So his grandfather, I think it was, not his great-grandfather, his grandfather actually converted to Christianity and they their family name was Gassonet, G-A-S-S-O-N-E-T, but it was changed to De Nostradame with reference to the Virgin Mary and it was Latinized to simply be Nostradamus. We know him today as Nostradamus. Right. Now, this guy, um, he grew up, he had a fairly strong influence from both his paternal great-grandfather and his maternal great-grandfather. They both influenced him significantly. Um, Today, when you study medicine, and I've not studied it, Will, I don't know whether you've done any study in that area or not. Your, Your idea is theology and mine likewise. But in those days, if you were studying to be a physician, you would have a combination of subjects that you would have to study, one of which would be, believe it or not, astrology right now i don't think any modern medical practitioner who is training to be a doctor has to study astrology but it was part and parcel of what was required back there in those days so when we talk about can we trust or should i trust or should we trust nostradamus the first question you should be asking yourself if you know this information is this Can the stars, the alignment of the planets and the heavenly bodies really influence our life, our health, our wealth, our prosperity, our futures? They're some of the questions you should be asking yourself, I think, as, as you start out. Interestingly enough, he claimed to be a Christian. 
there's no real evidence in any written documentation that we've ever found of Nostradamus that he was a particularly good okay. Christian. In other words, did he go to church? We don't know. Uh, did he um, really believe in God? We have to take it that he did, but we don't have any evidence as to how devout he was. Um, he did die back in 1566. He died of, I believe, probably renal failure more than anything else, and he predicted his death sometime in advance. He predicted his death. Wow. He okay. predicted his death. Um, one version I read said one day before he died. Another one said one year before he died. So the information that you can find on the subject is, shall we say, controversial. It doesn't necessarily match up with what else is known about this particular guy. Uh, however, he did leave in his will uh, some proceeds uh, to charitable organisations, various religious orders. So I guess it's... Um, <clears throat> One of those things. Now, for those of our listeners who are wondering uh, a little bit more about Nostradamus, <laughs> should I say this with my tongue firmly planted in my, my cheek, relax, guys. The world isn't going to end to 3,797 AD, according to 3, Nostradamus. 3,797 AD 3797. Okay. is when the world is going to end, according to Nostradamus. I think scripture reveals to us fairly clearly in Matthew 24 about verse 36 that no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return and we believe on the basis of what faith um, FM has done over the probably the last two years, the amount of prophecy that we've shared with people on air, uh, the amount of Bible studies that have been done both on air and off air with people on the subject of prophecy I think we would have to take that will with a bit of a grain of salt because yeah. 3797 is a fair way away. And we are told in Scripture that um, in Second Peter, you know it as well as I do, where it says, in the last days scoffers will come, saying, where is the promise of his coming from? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things remain as they were before. In fact, since creation, all things right, remain yeah. as they were before. So... I, I struggle with this particular aspect of how planetary bodies can actually affect your future and your present as well. Nostradamus, however, is best known for something that he printed. He actually started an almanac in 1549 where he predicted the weather and events for the year, and apparently it was reasonably accurate. Um, I'm not saying it's 100% accurate. Yeah. What I'm saying and what I think our listeners need to understand is the Bible warns us to beware of false prophets. Yeah, A false prophet isn't someone who comes along and says, hey, I'm going to tell you something and it's not going to happen. A false prophet is somebody who may get some things right. They may get some predictions Might get right, some right and some wrong, yeah. But they may get some wrong. And the difference between that is that God said in... Um, Deuteronomy 18 and verse 22, and I just want to share this with you. We do have a couple of texts to share together in the time. So what's that text? Uh, it's Deut Deut Deuteronomy 18 Deuteronomy. and verse 22, and this is what it says. This is God speaking to Moses or Moses speaking on behalf of God. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of them. 
Now, I don't know what you think yeah. about that because people place a lot of <laughs> store on these things. When I was reading the article on Nostradamus, and the, you'll, you'll find this interesting, so will our listeners. If you go to certain websites that I was checking out on who was Nostradamus, it gives you like a bio of him, and then down it says Nostradamus's latest predictions. You know yeah. what? If you click on there yeah. and go across to the, uh, scroll across to what comes up, guess what comes up? What comes up? Selling tarot cards. Okay. Yeah. So well, he um, predicted that people would sell tarot cards. No, 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 no. Oh, no. his own tarot cards. <laughs> the, the how can I put it? The sponsors of this oh, of I this particular um, yep uh, thing on, on Nostradamus. They had a, um, like a selling um, new age people, tarot readers, and all that type of thing. So what you what you're doing is say, I want to find out what Nostradamus has predicted for 2024, and of course I did share with you what he predicted for 2023 off air. But just for those who obviously didn't hear it, these were three predictions he made for 2023. A great war was going to take place. Yes. Yep. Two, economic conditions were going to become so bad last year that people resorted to cannibalism. Point three, something may happen with or on Mars. They were some of the major predictions of Nostradamus for 2023. Okay. But when I turned over to 2024, blow me down. I couldn't find anything <laughs> at this particular stage. Maybe they're still coming up with right. the uh, prognostications of that. But... What I'm saying is that <clears throat> you have to be careful in even if some of his predictions did come true, obviously some of them didn't, and there is a term used de determining the future. I've put here when I gave you the figure of 3797, using astrology was called judicial astrology and how future events are influenced allegedly by the circulation of the planets and celestial bodies in relation to the Earth. So using predictions on that basis is called judicial astrology. But there's another term that we're going to come to in a minute. But back to what I said about 1555. In 1555, he first put out a group of prophecies called the Prophecies. And that consisted of 10 groups or so of 100 quatrains. What is a quatrain? A quatrain is a four-line poetic stanza. All right. And let me read just one to you. I could, Go have, ahead. I could have had half a dozen here, but one will do. This is, this is what it says. The bold and shameless great talker will be chosen as head of the army. The audacity of his contention, the broken bridge, the city faint with dread. Now, some interpreters of this have said, ah, that's talking about Oliver Cromwell back in the time of uh, England. Others have said, no, that's talking about Leon Trotsky during the Russian Revolution in 1921. In other words, I think I mentioned this term to you earlier on. The term is um, retroactive clairvoyance. It means you read back into something Retro what, what was retro, retroactive clairvoyance. clairvoyance. Okay. Retro and what does that mean again? It means basically this: that you use your intuition, you use your biases to read back into this so-called prophecy 
what you think it means. Right. Now, really, that's not prophecy. Prophecy, according to the Bible, and we, so, we so, will try and get enough time to have a look at it. Prophecy, according to the Bible, God is very he, – he gives people prophecy, but he gives you time prophecies in Daniel, time yep. prophecies in Revelation. You can find out when they start, when they finish. You don't have to guess. You don't have to go through this process of uh, reading this stuff. I mean, so let me get this straight, Pastor Brennan. So Nostradamus, he wasn't necessarily predicting the future, but he would look at events of the past and then he would interpret what what happened. Uh, to a degree, okay. but what I've just read you is allegedly talking about the future because oh, Oliver, right. Oliver Cromwell came around. He was in the 17th century, wasn't he? So he probably came around about... Hundred years later than Nostradamus, right? Um, Leon Trotsky is nineteen twenty-one. Back in the Russian Revolution days, so what I'm saying is that the stuff that Nostradamus wrote, and we ha- need to be careful here, because he he uses symbols and language that is pretty difficult to understand. Now, people would say to me, "It's a wonder the phone hasn't been ringing." What about the Bible? You get into the Book of Revelation. Yep. You have beasts. You have all sorts of things going on. But God spoke to people in ways that they understood. In Daniel chapter 2, he spoke to Nebuchadnezzar yep. through the issue of an image by giving him a dream of an image. Yep. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar worshipped images. Yeah. So if you're, gonna, if you're the God of heaven and you're going to give a king a dream that foretells the future of the whole world from his day down till Christ returns in glory, what are you going to do? Give him something that he doesn't understand? You're going to give him something in his vernacular that he's familiar with. Every morning he goes out and he worships in front of a, an idol called Marduk, yeah. the chief god of Babylon, along with about 300 others. So God is giving him... Something, Something that he can he relate to. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on on it so far? On on what we've done so far. Yeah. So, I guess for me, um, I'm hearing about all the the facts in the um, I know the, this Nostradamus's life, but if I can look at it more of a very big picture, look at this. The truth of the matter is, you can fill in the blank Nostradamus with any name. Should I trust? You know, well, the world leader or... We're asked to do, should I yeah, trust Nostradamus? Yeah, so. But, so, but I was thinking, um, whatever Nostradamus says, I guess I'm approaching this as a believer, as a Christian. Sure, sure. Um, Likewise. What he says has to line up with Scripture, and you correctly you know, shared a wonderful verse in Deuteronomy that if they say something and it doesn't come to pass, then that person don't take, is... Don't any yeah. notice of them. So that's kind of where I would kind of sit with it all. To be honest, I haven't read each and every prophecy that uh, Nostradamus has um, predicted, but it seems to me that, um, that whatever he's saying, um, my basis for evaluating his predictions and whatnot has to come from the Bible. Yes. And so, um, and plus, you know, there's biblical ways in which we can, you know, differentiate the true from the false. Um, just another thought, and it's a little bit connected in some way, but um, I was on social media, um, you know, just uh, this week, and, um, right. mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of mine, I'd seen a post where he had a picture of um, various people that um, basically he was deeming false prophets. Right. And, um, and there was one 
picture there that I didn't agree that that person was a false prophet. Right, okay. I so it got me thinking, yeah. About, yeah. And so where I kind of landed with it is um, – there is a there is a stream of thought, Pastor Brandon, within certain Christian circles, is that God doesn't give the prophetic gift. Now, I don't know if I'm kind of really going another tangent here, but just just kind of make the point succinctly. What does a prophet do? Yeah, but the point I'm making is, and you correctly pointed it out, Pastor mm-hmm. Brandon, a few moments ago in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told Jesus says, "Beware of false prophets." He says he it does. about three times. He does. And so, I guess the implication I'm suggesting is. Jesus says that beware of the false because there will be true prophets. Obviously, if there's false, so, it's true. And so I guess when you're talking about Nostradamus, um, I'm just thinking, okay, um, how do we differentiate between the true and the false? And I'm saying it's the Bible, the Bible yes. only. Yep. And then I'm just thinking of my friend and his particular post that I'd seen the other day, whereas there are some you know believers who just eradicate or totally believe that that the gift of prophecy or the prophetic gift would Ceased. would cease. And I, I would respectfully disagree with that. So I think so I'm kind of giving you a bit of a long-winded answer to say, no, no, depending no, on uh, the person, we have but to line up there. If, if the modern gift of prophecy is yeah. being given, yeah. the prophet has to uh, line up with Absolutely. A, a number of things that we believe the Bible teaches Absolutely. demonstrate the bona fides of the yes. prophet. I'd like to read... Isaiah 47, verse 13 and 14. Isaiah 47. 47. You are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. This is talking about the humiliation of Babylon. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators. Now, there's a word. What verse are you up to, Pastor? Look that one up. Verse 13. Okay, 13. Yep, gotcha. And the monthly prognosticators stand up and save you from what shall come upon you. Behold... They shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them up. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. It shall not be a coal to be warmed by, nor a fire to sit before. And God is really saying he's challenging the astrologers, the Chaldeans, yeah. of which Daniel and his three friends were, were a group after they finished their education. Yeah. He's challenging them and saying, you guys who claim to be able to tell the future by looking at the planetary um, alignments and uh, the way the stars operate and all of that, I'm telling you, you won't even be able to save yourselves, let alone anybody else. So you're going to be burnt up. You're going to be burnt up in the fire when uh, Babylon is destroyed. Yep. And you guys are not going to be able to do anything to help anybody, including yourselves. Correct. Now, that's pretty serious. Um so that that's that's a text that I thought fitted in. Hey, Puzzle Brandon, well. we, we're going to have to cut to a break real quick. We do. We need so to please promote this book offer. Hold again. your thought there, mm-hmm. so um, we'll come right back to you. But, um, hey, we hope you're enjoying our, our time thus far as we're looking into this about Nostradamus and should we trust Nostradamus. But before we do that, we continue. We need to go to a break. But before we do, we'd like to promote, promote our free book offer one more time in our show today. The book offer is The Four Winds of Revelation and... Uh, and is by author, evangelist, pastor, Pastor Kenneth Cox. And in this book, The Four Winds of Revelation, Pastor Kenneth examines what the Bible says about crises that are facing, we are facing currently, and shares what it tells us about the future. Um, and so if you'd like a free copy for yourself or to give to a friend, you just need to text the code SA204. The code is SA204. And you need to text that code to 048 
and we will get that book out to you as soon as we can. Please don't go away. I'd, I'd like to back up what you said. Go ahead. Because um, I have a book of Kenneth Cox's at home. It's not the one on offer tonight. On yes. Air. It's the best book I have ever read on how to interpret prophecy. Okay. It breaks down all the symbols and what they mean. Yes. It's a very small book, probably about as thick as my thumb. Yes. But uh, it's... So you would highly talks. recommend this. I would yes. highly recommend this guy. Yes. So there you go, <laughs> listeners. If you want to get, if you want to really year, understand, this is worth getting. There you go. So text the code SA two zero four to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a few moments. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all along
Christ leaning on the everlasting arms. Lovely song there. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. We're on the tail end of our show today. It's Pastor Will and Pastor Brenton in the studio today as we're looking at the theme, Prophecy the Bible in Nostradamus. Should we trust Nostradamus? That's what we've been looking for at the last uh, our last few minutes here. So, Pastor Brandon, we've got, a, I guess, 10 or so minutes yeah, yeah, before we wrap up. Yeah, um, how do you want to land this with regards well, to Nostradamus? Let's, let's say this. Nostradamus may have said some things that did turn out to be accurate. Okay. I wouldn't be bold enough to say absolutely nothing that he said had any validity at all because there are plenty of people out there in our society and around the world who believe in Nostradamus, and yeah. they come up. But I am concerned. I think you touched on it, Will, earlier on before we went to a break. Yeah. I'm concerned about people who use this term that I said, retroactive clairvoyance. Retroactive clairvoyancy. By reading back into an ancient prophecy what they think it means. Because <clears throat> surely if Nostradamus was used by the Lord as prophets in the Bible were, such as Daniel. And we're going to have a look at a text in, in Daniel. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, and this will probably be touched on later in the week, I would imagine, so I need to be brief in, in summarising exactly what um, Daniel had to say. But yeah, he and his friends were in danger of being killed because Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He called in the astrologers. He called in the wise men. He called in the Nostradamuses of his day and said, guys, I've had a dream. And they said, yeah, good, right, yeah? Yeah. Tell us the dream. He said, I can't remember it. <laughs> now, now whether, yeah. he, whether he couldn't remember it or whether he was testing them, I've often wondered. <laughs> you wonder, he maybe knew, but he just wanted to test no, them anyway. No, I don't think he did know what the dream was. Right. But anyway, he said, I can't remember it. I want you to do two things. I'm paying you good money as astrologers. You're members of the Chaldean uh, sect. The Chaldean sect was the, we would call it today, the intelligentsia of intelligentsia. Um, um, Babylonian society, the intelligentsia. I want you to tell me the dream and I want you to tell me what it means. Yeah. And they said, no king on <laughs> earth has ever asked anything Correct. like that. Hello, do you think that we can remember what you dreamed last night yeah. on your bed? You want us to recall that and tell us, tell you what it means. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> and um, anyway, in the end, uh, he got really mad and he was going to kill them all. And Daniel and his three friends, of course, had graduated from their three years of training under Babylonian Correct. Um, philosophy and all the rest. of They would have studied all this stuff, even though they didn't believe it. And uh, they were on the point of being killed till Daniel went in before the king and he said, hey, king, hey, 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 just give me time. Let me pray to the God of heaven. Yeah. And in verse 22 and um, 23, he comes in before the king and he says this. <clears throat> and I'm reading, sorry, it was verse 27 and 28. The king says to, to uh, Belteshazzar, which was his Babylonian name, and Belteshazzar, for those of our listeners who may not know what it means, it means may Bel protect the king. They changed the names of all of these four right. guys yes. from names yes, that meant something biblically to something that meant uh, something in their, their new culture and their new captivity. 
Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Yeah. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, note that, the magicians and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Wow! Your dream! And the visions of your head upon your bed are these. And then he goes on to tell him, head of gold, chest of silver. Chest of silver, yeah. yeah. Thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And right at the end of it all, after he's explained it, and a rock comes along and smashes the image. So I need to move over this pretty quickly and fills the whole earth. That's the second coming of Christ. But this is what Daniel says. And for those who are Bible students who are listening to our program today, Will, this is worth um, taking note of. He says in verse 40, I'm trying to find it here. Verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. Notice how he's doing it retroactively now. Rather than starting from the head of gold, which was Babylon, he's starting from the other end and working back to yeah. Babylon, yep. which I found particularly interesting when I was reading this. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation, interpretation. sure. sure. Yeah. Now, this is the only prophecy in the whole Bible that those precise words have used are used about am i saying that other prophecies in daniel and revelation and ezekiel and jeremiah were not inspired by god not at all we we talked talked about the principle earlier on on this yeah <clears throat> but here he's saying you can bank on it we would say today <laughs> perish the thought for me saying it on air but you could put money on it yeah. it's going to happen <laughs> the god of heaven has shown you the future this is what's going to happen and so he he has this um, to work with. And did he believe it? Well, we know in Daniel chapter 3, he built an image all of gold, which is probably very similar to the image he'd seen in his dream. So <clears throat> I guess the, the, there's no ambiguity there. The difference between God and Nostradamus's predictions is that God gives them two people. Yes, he does use symbols. I accept that. <laughs> we have beasts. We have images. We have images and that type of thing. He does use those. However, he also does it in such a way that he, he shall we say, he tailors the prophetic utterances to the people that they're addressed to. Yeah. With Nostradamus, you can make up your own scenario. And I think that's something that you need to be cautious of. If you're a follower of Nostradamus, you can make it say just about anything you want. Remember yeah. what I said? Um, retroactive clairvoyance. So these are some of the things that we, we have to be aware of, I think, in these last days. But I want to finish or maybe get towards a conclusion. I'm happy to hear your comments on any of this. I want to have a look, go back to Isaiah again to chapter 46, because this is where I believe we'll, we need to make um, a very clear stand. In verse 8, God says, remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. 
remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Did you get that? Declaring yeah. the Decla- end yeah. from the beginning. Doesn't, I mean, like, I doesn't know, sound like I any. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, God is really saying, put all your prognosticators, all your Nostradamuses, all of them out there. Yes, they may get some right. And, of course, you touched on it earlier on in Matthew 24. Do you know when the um, three, four disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 24, you were talking about one stone not being upon another or the stones being thrown down. When's all this going to happen? What was his first word? Take heed that no one deceives you. Correct. So isn't it logical to assume that if there are true prophets, as mentioned in the Bible, there are also prophets that can be right some of the time. Correct. But not all of the time. It would be logical. Can Satan read the future? Not in the way God can. But you know what? I believe he can uh, work from cause to effect. Correct. He's tempted you in your life. He's tempted me in my life. He knows my weak points. He knows which buttons to press to get certain responses. And so, therefore, he can predict with a degree of accuracy what is going to happen. But he cannot read the future like God can. God reads it way back there, and he reads it way forward here. So they're some of the um, things that I think. So in answer to the question, should I trust Nostradamus, my answer would be folk Put your trust in the living God. Put your trust Amen in what that. the Bible yes. says. Because none of the prophecies of the word of God, even the unfulfilled ones, are going to fail. They will not fail. Yeah. Because the one who wrote them said, not only is the dream certain and the interpretation sure, you can rest assured that the prophecies are certain and the interpretations are sure. And they will come to pass because the God of heaven said they will. Fantastic! Hey, Pastor Brennan, we're going to have to. I know. I think you. you, I think you landed the plane. I couldn't land it any better, mate. So we're going to leave it there, except to just say I want to say thank you to our uh, listeners out there in Radio Land. Whether you're in the car or you're at home, we want to especially want to thank you for uh, tuning in today with Pastor Will and Pastor Brennan. Yes, please continue to. Tune in to Drive Time BQ&A for same time uh, for the rest of the week as our team will look at various aspects of this prophecy of the Bible in Nostradamus. So tomorrow, just to give you a heads up. Yeah, what are the next couple? Yep, so we got Pastor Ricardo and Pastor Marty. Yeah. They're going to be looking. They're doing what? They're looking at um, how reliable, and you kind of touched that on it today, but how reliable, how reliable is biblical prophecy? So um, they'll be looking at that tomorrow. And um, so we hope that you'll be able to tune in. Uh, don't forget, we always have our book offer um, that will be promoted each and every show. But, hey, also, if you, um, by any chance, miss any of our our previous shows, you can go on to faithfm.com.au and you can see not only Drive Time BQ&A, but... There are a host of other presenters uh, as part of the Faith FM family uh, all across Australia. So, um, but we have uh, all our Faith FM Drive Time BQA pres- presentations are there to access. And yes. if you're really keen, we also have, that, have our Faith FM app that you can download on your phone and then you can listen to previous uh, programs at your leisure on your uh, phone device there. Um, so that's going to be it from us here in the studio. Um, so please tune in for Ricardo and Marty as they look at how reliable 
is biblical prophecy. We hope that you've had a wonderful time with us, and um, we are going to close with um, with a scripture promise, which we always do yes. at the end of our show each day. And so here it is, and it's found in the Gospel of John, chapter fourteen and verse twenty-seven. And the Bible says, Jesus says, "Peace I leave with you; my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you." Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. On behalf of the Faith FM Drive Time team, may God bless you, and we will hope to see you next time.